Brace yourself and buckle up. You are about to hear a life-changing, history-making, world-defining message from the New Birth Podcast. Tell everybody you know, things will never be the same. Would you stand to your feet and join me in uh, the book of Numbers, the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 22. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I don't know why I'm saying it like you flipping through your Bible. You just opened your app. <laughs> Numbers 22. Verse 24 and 25. Numbers 22. Verses 24 and 25. Once you found it, won't you say, I have it? If you can't find it, say, Lord, help me. Amen. A lot of y'all need his help. Amen. Numbers 22, verse 24 and 25. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyard with the walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. You may be seated. And the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyard with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. I want to preach for a little while today using as a subject, pump your brakes. Pump your Breaks. Would you look at the person beside you and tell them, I'm telling you now, you, you need to pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Friends, uh, 10 years ago, the University of Chicago published a paper entitled Conspicuous Consumption and Race. Conspicuous Consumption and Race. It discloses the frightening fact, hear this, that if you are a middle-class black person, it seems like in order to be perceived by whites and other blacks as relatively well-off, you have to show off what you have by acquiring observable things. According to the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics, Black people spend 30% more than whites of comparable income on clothing, cars, and jewelry. Look at the person beside you and say, I see you. <laughs> we spend the most, we spend the most and save the least. When I read this, it, it messed me up. Hear this, it's gonna blow your mind because you're gonna know that it's true. We are only frugal in one area. The area in which we are most frugal, hear this, is on furniture. Because it's hardly seen. So we would rather honk for strangers than contribute to the comfort of those who are in our nucleus. It doesn't make sense to go at top speed 
knowing you are running out of gas. When Jesus was going into Jerusalem for his ticker tape Palm Sunday parade, he didn't gallop in on a white stallion as victors of war were prone to do. Instead, he treaded on a lowly donkey because he had the astute awareness that the essence of his identity was not wrapped up in what he was riding, but rather what was driving him to his destiny. For those who are Caucasian with a uh, annual income of over $250,000, those who are Caucasian who have an income over $250,000, the cars that they drive the most often are, are Fords and Toyotas and Hondas. For Negroes who make over $250,000, we are driving Mercedes and BMWs and Lexus. If you don't believe me, on your way home, look at the parking lot of New Birth. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg drives a Honda. Jeff Bezos drives a Honda. Y'all not saying anything to me. Warren Buffett drives a Toyota. Transparent moment, transparent moment. Uh, when I was uh, living in Baltimore, before I came here to be your pastor, when I was living in Baltimore, I was driving a Bentley. Driving a Bentley, I was digging the scene with a gangster lean, whoop, whoop. I mean, uh, it, it, it was all together clean. I was driving a Bentley. I, I got called to be uh, your pastor, and our former chairman, uh, Brother Thomas W. Dorch, and uh, Bishop Neil Ellis said that your chief priority is to eradicate $32 million worth of debt. $32 million worth of debt was the responsibility that they pinned on me in becoming your pastor four years ago. God convicted me. God convicted me and told me, do not drive that Bentley to Atlanta. <laughs> I, I, I got rid of that Bentley before I became your pastor uh, because I had to make the critical decision, how in the world was I gonna drive a Bentley when the staff at New Birth hadn't had a raise in eight years? How was I gonna drive a Bentley when we had to feed one million people in the pandemic? How was I gonna drive a Bentley and roll down the window and tell Negroes to vote for Raphael Warnock and Stacey Abrams because of the oligarchs in D.C.? I, I am probably the only, if not in a very small minority, of mega pastors who drive a used car. Uh, for my first three months of being your pastor, I didn't even have a car. I was catching Ubers. I was having members of the church come get me, and Levitt Funeral Home loaned me a car. I had to go get a used car that was four years old because I had to make a critical decision. What message would I be giving to the congregation? What message would I be giving to the community? What message would I be giving to our creditors? Sometimes you got to go beyond. You got to go beyond what other people think and live in a place of what is best for where it is that you are. I am praying for black people who are in this room that you would be delivered from impressing other people. 
and get to the place of what is best for you, what is best for your family and best for your community. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm telling you the decision that I made. Uh, you got to get past the point of what other people think you ought to have. When I became the pastor, preachers from all over the country were calling me uh, saying, I know you're getting ready to get a Bentley. I know you're getting ready to get a Rolls Royce. But they didn't have the level of responsibility that I had. When you are making decisions for your family and decisions for your finances, do not slow down for what other people are going to think about you. You got to make up in your mind, I got to cut some things back because I got to get these babies in college. I got to cut some things back because I don't want to work this hard for the rest of my life. I got to pull some stuff back because I know how I want to retire and how it is that I want to live. I know this ain't for all of y'all, but for those of you who have lived long enough to know that folk will applaud you one day and then hate on you the next day, you got to live at a different level of your affordability. If you're no one right somebody shall preach black man that, that that's the place that we got to be in in this area of our economy of how it is that we live and the kind of decisions that, that we make I need you to hear this it messed me up I need you to know it I recently read I want you to write it down it's gonna mess you up one of the greatest obstacles for blacks moving from middle class to upper class one of the greatest obstacles for black people moving from middle class to upper class y'all ain't gonna believe it is your car note you are spending $1,200 $1,000 $900 on one car y'all ain't gonna say nothing but I'm in Atlanta $900 on a car note while you paying rent in an apartment Y'all ain't saying nothing. $900 a month on a car and you ain't even got a garage. It's outside on the curb. Just blink at me twice, cause you know I'm talking about you. Hear this very carefully. According to Experian, the average used car note is $516 a month. The average new car note is $725 a month. That is a gap difference of average of $200 a month. Come on, y'all keep it a stack. How many of you all, it would help you if you had an extra $200 in your pocket, another $200 in your account. To accelerate the trajectory of your family's economy, I am getting ready to pronounce to you what you have never heard in church before. I am encouraging us to be countercultural that our community would in invest in used cars and not new ones. I know y'all ain't gonna shout. I know y'all mad. I know you upset. But let me explain, let me explain my point. I'm gonna give you four reasons. I want you to write these down, please. Four reasons why I want your next car to be a used car. Four reasons. There's a wife mad at me right now. I'm telling you. Uh, four reasons why it is your next car should be a used car. Look at your name and say, write this down, please. Write this down. Those of you who are online, write this down for me, please. Uh, number one, the reason why your next car needs to be a used car number one is less depreciation less 
depreciation. Are you writing that down, please? New cars typically depreciate about 20% on the ride home from the dealership. Did y'all hear what I just said? The value of that car goes down by 20% from the dealership to your driveway. And then the value drops another 10%. Hear this, the first year. That is totaling 30% in depreciation. A used vehicle depreciates at a slower rate. Hear this, because by the time you get it, it has already lost the value it's going to lose. I need you to right, lift up that right hand. I want to say something to you that got nothing to do with the car. I'm talking about you. Lift up that hand. God told me to tell you, you've already suffered your greatest loss. Whatever loss you were going to deal with already happened. But I speak over every lifted hand. The value of everything connected to you is about to go up. The value, y'all ain't saying nothing, the value of your dream, the value of your idea, the value of your assignment, the value of your gift is now getting ready to have an exponential explosion. I need somebody in this room to just shout with authority, not another loss. Come on, say it out loud, not another loss. If you believe it, give God glory right now. Number one, your next car is a used car. Number one, less depreciation. Number two, I want you to write this down, please. Number two is going to help somebody lower insurance. Lower insurance. The cost varies by age, mileage, location, and credit. If it's older, it is recommended for a used car for you to just have liability insurance. I need somebody to just lay hands on yourself and just shout, I'm covered. I want you to know this by faith. Keep that hand laid on you. I am believing by faith that God is healing you, hear this, from previous accidents. Hallelujah. There, there were some places you should have never been. Uh, there are some people that wounded you in a deep and a profound way. There are those of you who had head-on collisions with people in your family. Uh, but God says, I am remodeling every place where you have a dent, every place where you were broken, every place that has rusted out. Uh, God says, I am restoring you to complete wholeness so that people will have no idea the tragedies you've had to live through in your life. The favor on you is better than every trauma you have endured. God says, I am going to make you look like new so that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's testimony is yours. You are coming out and you are not smelling like smoke. Folk don't even know the hell that you've been through because you look so good and because you still smile and still laugh and you're still at peace. It's because you survived your accidents. Stephen King, Stephen King, a famed horror writer, was in an incredible accident in 1988. 1988, Stephen King is walking as he did every morning, five miles a day. Stephen King was walking 1988, five miles a day. 
And uh, while he was walking down the California highway, he was uh, brutally crushed by a van. Uh, that van has Stephen King still in a wheelchair to this day. Stephen King has been unable to stand from that moment to this. And the police had to launch an investigation as to why it is that that van ran Stephen off the road and crushed his legs. I need you all to hear this. They did a breathalyzer on the driver to see whether he was drunk and it came back that he was dry. The man that hit Stephen King crushed his legs, had Stephen King in a wheelchair, had no alcohol in his body. And so they launched an investigation trying to figure out how did he lose control of the car and crush Stephen King. They found out that the driver of that white van had a dog. And the driver of that white van that had a dog, watch this, made the mistake of letting the dog ride up front with him. The dog that was riding up front with him distracted the driver's attention because he was trying to take the wheel. Trying to navigate the wheel from the dog. Watch this. He ended up crushing Stephen King. Pastor, what are you telling me today? I'm telling you some of you are having accidents because you letting dogs up front. Uh, you, you, you letting people who have no business having close proximity to where you are have access to your steering wheel. Get all the dogs in the back because for where you are getting ready to go, you can't let nobody slow you down. You can't let nobody mess up your focus. You can't let nobody distract your attention. Look at your neighbor, tell them from this moment forward, I ain't carrying no more dogs. No dogs are riding with me. No dogs are getting a free ride with me. I got too much. I got to accomplish. It's going to lower your insurance, but you can't let a dog ride up front. Number three, write this down, please. Number three, are y'all still here? Number three, watch this, is less of a gamble. It is less of a gamble, less of a gamble. Number one, here it is for remedial learning. Number one is what? Come on class, where are you? What's number one? Number one is what? What is number two? Number three, watch this, is a lower gamble. It is less of a gamble. Most new models are prone to a recall because all the kinks haven't been worked out. But now, watch this, the used car, whoever had it before you found out what the problems were. <laughs> so you, you, you ain't got to deal with the issues they had to deal with. Uh, they thought it was better because they got it first. Uh, but they don't understand that in the kingdom of God, God always saves the best for last. So I don't know what your experience was, but what you had to deal with ain't what I'm gonna have to deal with because God makes all things new. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you in being prudent for you to be stupid. I'm not telling you in being prudent for you to be stupid. In getting a used car, you still gotta get the car facts. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing. It still got to go for, through a full diagnostic. Uh, you still need some level of guarantee to make sure that it doesn't break down after it comes under your authority and under your auspice. One of the worst things that you can have happen is for you to get a brand new used car, get it off the lot, and only to discover that the battery don't work. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. We, we living in a generation now that you can barely find anybody who's riding around with jumper cables. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You can't even find. You got to wait on AAA or the police because uh, people don't even carry jumper cables no more. Uh, they don't even anticipate helping other people or helping themselves. Uh, but one thing you'll know if you had an uncle that fixed cars, that if you got jumper cables, the thing that will make make it work is you got to connect your negative to their positive and when you connect your negative to their positive what's in them will transfer over to you I need you real quick would you take that neighbor by the hand come on stretch out take that neighbor by the hand tell them everything negative that happened in your life is about to be overwhelmed by everything positive that's about to come into my life. When I give God glory, everything dead in you is about to get its power back. I can't hear nobody. I need you to take that neighbor's hand. Hold on, listen. Take that neighbor's hand. God says, I'm getting ready to jumpstart your enthusiasm, your zeal, and your excitement. There is stuff in you that you thought was gonna die. But God said when you shout again, your power is coming back. I need you to pull on that neighbor. Tell him you gonna run again. You gonna fight again. You gonna succeed again. Somebody's hand is in your hand. There's getting ready to be a power transfer. He gives power to the faint and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. I need you to shake that neighbor's hand and say, neighbor, you ain't going to be depressed next to me. You ain't going to be stressed next to me. You ain't going to be suicidal next to me. When I shout this next time, all of the glory of my life is transferring into your I dare you to shout. Come on, come on. Open up your mouth. Hey, hey. I dare you to open up your mouth. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Ooh hey, hey. I dare you to just shake somebody's hand and tell them, get your power back. Get your mind back. Get your life back. Get your children back. God! Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I needed that jump right there. You don't know what this year did to me. 
Life tried to knock me down, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of our conquering king. Hallelujah. He may not come when you want him to come, but he's an on-time God. I feel my grandmother, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and they won't faint. You may be seated, I gotta show you something. The reason why it is that black people have a stigma around used cars is we assume that a used car is lesser. Uh, is is uh, not as great as. And uh, those of you who have uh, a predisposition anti-used cars, I'm trying to figure out how it is that you are against used cars, but you are not anti-used grace. Oh my God. Second huh. Timothy 1 and 5 says, I am reminded of the sincere faith Watch this, which lived in your grandmother Lois and in her mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it now lives in you. God, you, you don't even understand. You've been rolling on three generations of grace. God, I can't hear nobody that has now been transferred onto you. I, I don't know how you feel about but I don't want new grace. I, I want grace that's been tried and tested and grace that's been through the fire and grace that has had to prevail. How, how many of you know somebody prayed for me? Some, somebody had me on their mind. Somebody took the time and I'm so glad. Your sustainability, your secret sauce has been used grace. Uh, I, I recently ran into a man of God who was overwhelmingly anointed. His name was Balaam. And uh, he had uh, heavy political ties to the White House. Uh, he was an influencer. The president knew him by name, Secretary of State. I knew him by name, Speaker of the House, all knew Balaam by name. He was the most influential prophet of that hour. But you would never be able to tell it because Balaam drove a donkey. <laughs> you, you would not begin to believe his portfolio, his pedigree, or his passport predicated on what he drove. He was called in uh, to uh, the White House for a uh, private meeting. Uh, a private meeting, you gotta understand that this was uh, at the White House, so all of the appropriate documents were uh, at the White House. They were not uh, hidden in a the shower. They were not uh, in, a, in a ballroom. They were, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They, 
They were not under the bed. They were where they were supposed to be. These were not misappropriated documents. These documents were in the place where they were supposed to be because had they not been in the place they were supposed to be, uh, then that leader should have gone to jail. Y'all ain't saying nothing, but uh, well, I, I'll say that for another day. But you, uh, you, you, you got to understand uh, that the president uh, had a strained penchant towards the oppressed and said to the man of God, I want you to speak a curse on oppressed people. I need you to do whatever is necessary to stop their student loans from being canceled. I want you to do whatever is necessary to take books about their history out of the library and out of the classroom. I want it to be palatable and for it to be normal for one of their mothers to be shot dead by a neighbor and still be offered bail. I want you to put in a position that they will still be judged based off of the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. I want them to be in a place where they have no access to capital so that they cannot start businesses, they cannot finance homes, that they will not be able to provide a legacy for their children. And Balaam said, I cannot speak a curse over these people because these are God's people. Y'all are getting ready to miss it. I am speaking over every worshiper that is in this room that for over 400 years they tried to speak a curse over you but in the words of Maya Angelou they can write me down in history with bitter twisted lies but still like dust I rise I rise I rise I speak over every worshiper who is not ashamed of who you are and not ashamed of what you've been through and not ashamed of where your family is God said when you give me glory every curse that was spoken over your family is about to be broken. I dare to lift up your voice that every curse. Now watch this. I want to be specific in intention. I need you to be seated. I'm gonna have you stand in a moment. I need you to be seated. I just don't want you to miss what I'm getting ready to speak over your life. The curse that I am speaking to with specificity today, here this is the curse of poverty. Uh, that we as a people have adjusted to bare minimal, uh, to just getting by. But God said the tables are getting ready to turn. What your children are getting ready to walk into, your mother never knew was a possibility. I break the spirit of welfare and codependency and government need off of your life. When you open up your mouth, whatever is the system, the structure, or the government thought they were going to do to your family, it is broken off of you today. I need you at the count of three. Don't shout for you, but I want you to shout for your bloodline that every person in your family is walking into a level what's this we break the spirit of generational poverty that runs in your family Every person in your family is gonna wake up to the consciousness that they were created to be the head and not the tail. Every member of your family is gonna know that they were born 
to be a lender and not a borrower. Every member of your family is going to be above and not beneath. I need a shout in this room that God will break every chain. One, two, three, shout. Hey. Open up your mouth. Give God glory. He'll break every chain. He'll break every chain. Says, watch this. Balaam said, I cannot curse them because they are blessed people. He then mounted the beast and was trying to go away when the Lord was calling him to go into an uncomfortable condition. I need you to hear me, you are anointed to go into spaces where people don't want you. Don't make their problem your problem. I am not gonna explain why I'm in this room because I'm supposed to be here. I will not be intimidated. I am smarter than you think I am and I can think circles around all of y'all. This is the place God has me. He didn't wanna go in that atmosphere because he felt uncomfortable about where it is that he was going and where it is that God assigned him. He mounted up on that old donkey and was trying to go in the opposite direction of his assignment. And the Lord sent an angel to redirect his path. But Balaam couldn't see the presence of God, but the mule did. Y'all ain't saying nothing. The mule kept trying to stop. But Balaam was keep trying to go when it is that he couldn't see the presence of God. I'm telling you, God will shut down everything connected to you until you witness his presence. God will cut holes in your pocket. He'll make folk walk away from you. He'll leave you all by yourself until you say, it's me, oh Lord. What do you want from me? Give me my direction. He's trying to ride in the opposite direction. And the Bible says that the donkey kept hitting up against the wall until it crushed Balaam's legs. I'm gonna say to you what you have never heard before, sometimes God will strategically make things go wrong in your car. Oh my God. Sometimes lights will start popping up on your dashboard. Out of nowhere, things will start breaking down. Uh, because that's not the direction God wants you in. How about God says, if you would give your attention to me, wherever it is you're trying to go, I'm gonna get you there faster. I don't know where you are. I need you to lift up your hand. I wanna say something that is so radical, is so out of the box, that is so unconventional, but 50 y'all need this word so bad that you don't even know how bad you need it. We serve a God who has authority over everything in the earth. I speak over every lifted hand that God will not allow mechanical 
issues to stop your car. That whatever is going wrong in your vehicle, God is getting ready to fix it by the power of the Holy Ghost. You got too many places where you are supposed to be. Lift that hand, please. You don't even recognize the hand of God. Listen to me. It was only the hand of God that when you ran over that pothole, he didn't let the tire blow. God, I can't hear nobody. It was only the hand of God that God had the engine kick over when you hadn't even checked your oil. It's only the hand of God that has allowed your car to sustain when you run out of warranty. There's only the hand of God that block drunk drivers from swerving into your life. It is only, y'all live in Atlanta? I said, do y'all live in Atlanta? Do y'all live in Atlanta? It's only the hand of God that stop robbers from stealing your car and breaking into your vehicle. Only the hand of God. The Bible says, watch this, that he crushed his leg because he was trying to go in the wrong direction. Can you imagine that God can be so petty that he'll make you have technical difficulties with your automobile just to make you shift gears? Y'all don't like this. God will get you at a place where you don't even understand he's getting ready to do something that you had not even anticipated. I'm thankful under God for what God is getting ready to go do for 50 of you who are in this room. He's getting ready to kick you in the overdrive. Why? He's got to kick you in the overdrive because you got to make up for lost time. He's got to put you where it is that uh, you were supposed to be 10 months ago. And Balaam, like Jonah, was going in the opposite direction. If you don't remember anything else that I told you, my message and my lesson are coming to a screeching halt. He said, God wanted me to tell you that uh, he brought you into worship today with the threat of the overcast of rain to tell you to pump your brakes. That this ain't the road I got for you. This ain't the path I got for you. This ain't the position I got for you. For three of you, this ain't the person I got for you. I I need you to slow down till I get you on the road you are supposed to be in. So finally, ladies and gentlemen, Balaam had to do something. What hundreds of you are getting ready to do is that Balaam had to drive, watch this, until the rear axle lined up with the wheel. The rear axle had to line up with the wheel because that is the only way you can turn the car around. Y'all are getting ready to miss it. God says this is your season for turnarounds. That every person that was gone in the wrong direction, God said before Monday at 12 noon, I'm getting ready to turn your whole life around. 
I know this word ain't for everybody, but I want to declare it into the earth. This is the season for turnaround. And those of you that believe your turnaround is getting ready to happen, would you just turn right where you are like your finances are turning around, your business is turning around, your marriage is turning around, your faith is turning around. I wish, I wish, um, I wish I had a better sermon. I wish I had something more profound and deep and in-depth to say. Um, but Balaam was thrown off because the donkey he was riding started talking to him. The donkey he was riding started talking to him and said, you've been riding me all this time. Come on, those of y'all from the hood, if your car got a name, just wave at me. You, go, you call. <laughs> Come on, Lucy, don't dial me now. Come. <laughs> Come on, Betty, you know I got three more payments on this. <laughs> the donkey started talking to Balaam and says, I've been riding with you all this time. Have I ever wounded you? Have I ever broke down on you? Have I ever left you? The donkey said something absolutely amazing. It says, I am trying to save you because I see the Spirit of God. I see the power of God. Ladies and gentlemen, my time is coming to an end, but I wanted you to know that your car talks to you it talks to you and you all this time as an experienced driver you've been driving since you were 16 those of y'all from the country since you were 13 you've been driving <laughs> you've been driving a long time and you never paid attention that your car talks to you isn't it amazing your car only talks to you hear this when you are getting ready to make a turn God help me when you turn on the signal that you are getting ready to turn, there is a sound. Now I want you to know why that's strange, why that's peculiar and why it's off is because it would make logical sense to me that if I am turning my turn signal on and it is making a sound, watch this, the people who need to hear it are outside of my car. People outside of my car need to hear I'm turning, but they can't hear it. The only people who can hear your turn signal are those who are riding with you. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. That there, there is getting ready to be a sound in this room and God said, it's your turn signal. That, that when you make this next sound, Whoever is connected to you, take this as your last warning that nothing in my life is remaining the same. But I'm getting ready to turn into the direction that God would have me to go. Would you look down your row and say, you getting ready to hear it. Look, look down your row, say, you getting ready to hear it. I want a sound in the earth 
to let everything know that thought it was gonna stop you that it's my turn now oh I can't hear nobody it's my turn now it's my turn now make your praise unto God like it's yours I'm gonna pray for you I'm gonna pray for you Lift up that hand, I'm gonna pray for you. My mentor, uh, my mentor, Reverend Sharpton, I picked him up one day uh, when I was driving to Bentley, I picked him up from the train station, came in from New York. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he morphed into the voice of the principal of Abbott Elementary School and said, ooh, this is nice. <laughs> I, I say, Rev, am I going to get in trouble driving this car? Is, this, is it going to be a problem? He said, Jamal, I don't care what kind of car you drive. I want to know where you're driving it to. Yeah. You get in that car and turn a blind eye to what's taking place in your community. You get in that car and think that you're better than other people. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. If you get in that car and your identity becomes wrapped in that car, that's when it becomes an issue. I want you to lift up that hand. I want to pray. Watch this. I don't know what kind of faith you have. I want to pray for the car you're going to ride next. God, I can't hear nobody, y'all. I really thought y'all were going to shout better than that. I, Lift that hand, I'm gonna pray for you. Um, uh, we're a multi-generational church. Uh, those of y'all who's old enough uh, to remember mahogany. Uh, <laughs> do you know where you're going to? Do you, <laughs> do you like the things that life is showing you? Come on, do you know? Come on, the millennials don't even know what I'm talking about. Eh? You can't watch mahogany on Netflix. You, you got a VHS in your closet somewhere, come on. I pray over every lifted hand that God won't let you lose your drive. I want to pray over every lifted hand that you won't surrender until you succeed. I pray over every lifted hand that those who went before you already paid your toll fare. I pray over every lifted hand that whatever you are riding now will not break down on you. Pray over every lifted hand that your children will always have reliable transportation. I pray over every lifted hand you'll never be dependent on somebody else to get to where you need to go in life. I pray over every lifted hand for those of you who are without your own transportation that the summer will not end without God opening up an uncanny window. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You are too anointed to be on that bus stop. It's too much grace on your life to be waiting for somebody to pick you up. And those of you who have that level of belief and confidence that God is going to get you where you need to be, would you give God glory for where God is about to take you? Come on, I said open up your mouth. Come on, open up your mouth. 
I hope you are energized that you don't need an energy drink. What you just heard should have you off and running, chasing your dreams, pursuing your purpose, and answering your call. If this was a blessing, share it with somebody else. Don't be selfish. This is what God gave you so that you can be a blessing to somebody who needs it worse.